With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome into another edition of SEC Football and Beyond. I'm Neil McCready. Chris Landry with me today as well. It is Tuesday, November the 3rd, 2020. It is election day. We're not going to talk politics here at all. I will simply say I waited an hour and... A little more than an hour. I don't know how exactly how long to go vote this morning. It was the longest I've ever waited to vote in Mississippi. And um, frankly, Chris, it's kind of inspiring to see that many people out, to hear that it's that way across the country. No matter how elections turn out, uh, it's a reminder, literally the end of my political speech for the day, a reminder of what an incredible country we live in and how blessed and honored we are to be Americans, that we have the right to stand in line and cast our ballots for our candidate candidates of choice. So I hope that you all have an equally inspiring election day experience. Yeah, it's uh, certainly um, the, the voter turnout is um, incredible. I did early voting as I was mentioning to you before we went on the air to make sure that I got it in. Cause you never know what could happen, but uh, it is uh, it's interesting just to tell you how the sign of the times of the days are. As I peek over and look at the six monitors that I have that are always football oriented, sports oriented, um, they've got it all on news channels. And I don't know why, because I don't like watching news on TV. I don't like the, but I have it now. And um, I guess uh, I don't know why I have it on, but I do. I just and so I look and see there's. Uh, it's actually trade deadline day in the NFL, and I really don't, um, you know, we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, no, the whole world is kind of focused on on this. And, and Neil, I know we had uh, a scary situation in college football before we get into the action on the field. wanted to you, if you could, give everybody an update on Demarcus Thomas, who suffered a very, very scary injury at Ole Miss. The news has been positive, um, as good as you can expect after hearing it and heart going down in your stomach. If you could give everybody an update on on what the ladies you've heard. Yeah, so Demarcus Thomas is a freshman tight end at Ole Miss. Uh, a really uh, good kid, young man, whatever. Uh, the previous staff had committed him, and uh, Lane Kiffin and his staff, when they evaluated him, like, oh, yeah, this is one we want, and they – they stuck with him. He stuck with with uh, Lane Kiffin and that crew, and um, they uh, he, he's a young person that before yesterday at least was 
probably the leading candidate to replace Kenny Yaboa at tight end at Ole Miss moving forward. Um, so they were having a Monday practice for the people who kind of wonder who like the behind the scenes stuff. We get a Monday Zoom call with Kiffin every Monday at noon. Ole Miss practices in the mornings. Um, Kiffin's a believer in morning practices. And so uh, I'd set up, I dialed into the Zoom call, and my phone kind of started not blowing up, but I got a few texts from people who would know things saying, hey, they're, they've called for a helicopter, a life flight helicopter at Ole Miss to the football facility. And so I'm asking around a little bit and finding out some things and don't know a player's name. Kiffin comes into the Zoom room to do the Zoom, gets back up and leaves. And I knew at that point, right about that time, I'd gotten a confirmation that, yeah, it's a player and it's bad. It's spinal cord. And I was getting ready to tweet a player. And then Lane Kiffin, to his credit, in this era of you know everything's secretive, everything's cover-up, he sat down and immediately started with, here's what has happened. It's Demarcus Thomas. At the time, Demarcus Thomas was still out on the field. Um, so they ended up putting him in an ambulance. They got him to Oxford. They airlifted him to Memphis. For people who aren't familiar, Memphis is, as the crow flies, probably 60 miles north of, of Oxford. So they got him there to 22-minute helicopter flight. They got him to Memphis. They Before they even got him to Memphis, though, he had begun to res- – to, um, have feeling in his extremities uh he had begun to have movement in his extremities which was not the case when he was on the field on the field he could feel nothing and lane kiffin was shook uh you saw the human side of lane kiffin the human side of football he was shook when he came and talked to us and then he immediately again to his credit to the credit of the old miss sports information people media relations people um we had gotten off the zoom call and he got back on. They got a text from Kyle Campbell, Ole Miss's media relations director. Hey, hop back on the the Zoom call. Lane has an update. And Lane gave us a quick update so that we could spread that news to the fans. Lane understanding, you know, we do, have, besides being a pain in the ass, we do have a role. We're the conduit of information to the fan base that supports the programs. And um, that he had gotten some feeling, had gotten some movement, and that that was certainly phenomenal news, that there was still the tests to be done. So they got him to Memphis, uh, Chris, and apparently all of the tests checked out. I don't know all the details just yet. Probably won't know them until tomorrow when we get an opportunity to talk to Lane again. But they released him from the hospital. It's my understanding that he's back in Oxford, that he's going to have some more evaluations done today to figure out you know, what exactly happened and how it happened. I talked to someone who was at the practice. Practice, of course, is closed to media because of COVID stuff and all that. He he was going across the middle, and he kind of got hit from behind. It wasn't, you know, the, what you envision in your mind when you hear spinal cord is one of these hard hits across the middle of the field where it's a whiplash sort of a thing. They think, and again, this is speculation. No one has proven that it had something to do with the way that he landed funny on his head, which created some sort of a whiplash effect. And I guess 
I don't know if this is the right term, temporary paralysis. I, I don't know. I, I'm not a doctor. But uh, the good news is he has uh, full mobility. He has feelings in all extremities, and he got released from the hospital. And the word I heard yesterday was they're expecting a full recovery. What that means for his football career, I don't know, and I don't know that it matters today. But um, so it ended about as well, Chris, as it could possibly end. And and it was uh, it was scary though when you 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 when you're getting text, life flight, things like that, rushing to hospital, and then Lane Kiffin sits down and is clearly as uh, emotional as he was. The, the 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 comment that he made that struck me. The most was he said that he had called um, his son Knox. He said I called Knox's mother and told her I don't I couldn't care less if he never plays football again. That really shook him. You know, it's what we all think about as parents, right? With with uh, with young people that either want to play or there's some pressure to play or people talk to them about playing. You you don't want to discourage them from doing something that they want to do. Yet on the other hand. You understand that it's a it's a violent game that that can happen and and uh, you and I were talking we were both at a game where the worst possible scenario happened and ironically involving Ole Miss what was that that's nineteen eighty eight I believe um, frightening yeah Chucky Mullins is what Neil's referring to and I was actually coaching at LSU was scouting Ole Miss and remembered. Um, when Brad Gaines and Chucky Mullins collided. And um, I told Neil, I still have occasional, I don't know, nightmares or thoughts at night because it just so happens that my binoculars were focused right at um, the how Vanderbilt was, how their linebackers were set in that play. So I ended up actually seeing it. And I, the thing I remember more than anything is just uh, Chucky's body in the air, and it just obviously didn't know anything, but looked weird. It looked like it looked his body looked lifeless before it hit, and then it hit. But what Neil said was so true. It is the uniqueness. It's not the violence of the hit. It's the uniqueness. I remember Mike Utley. Uh, with the Lions, yeah. um, Mike fell forward, and Mike, I I got to know Mike pretty well and did some work with him at one of the Super Bowls. He's paraplegic in a wheelchair, never walk again, and he literally fell forward. And I remember he was a really good player at Washington State. And I remember scouting him, and it wasn't a violent thing. It's the the angle, and as Neil said, kind of the. I don't understand, and I'm not a medical person, but I've, I've learned a lot from the trainers and medical people. It's the angle in which the spine hits. It's not the necessarily you can get hit violently in one area, and it just doesn't affect it, and you just hit in a slight area. Well, it affects the spine, uh, but it's great news that he's doing well. Um, uh, I was relieved. It's very, very nervous. Um, you know, there is uh, is something to that, and everybody says it. The sport is never, it's so popular, Yeah, but I need to remind folks and done a little bit of work with USA football. You know, the rate of decline of youth football 
is 12% over the past six or seven years. There's a lot less people playing football at the youth age, and and that's the direct result of things that are happening. And you can see someone who's dedicated his whole life. I've known Lane. I've known his dad a lot longer, Monty, and you know, grew up around football and, you know, at that moment probably would just, you know, prefer to not have to deal with being a parent of someone playing football. And yet, you know, it's, it's kind of what our life is all about. Those of us that, that have been coaches and scouts and believe in it, the, the greatness of the game, it's the one thing we can't evolve, uh, can't, uh, dissolve. And that is the, the, the devastating part of the game that, uh, that happened. So anyway, we wish him, Wish him the best and wanted to get that up to up, update as that happened yesterday for those of you who were not aware of or not aware of the update. Good news. Keep him in your purse. Absolutely. It's, it's great news. Could have been a lot worse, obviously, for a few minutes there. I think they thought it was a lot worse. And, and so thank thank goodness that uh, it appears he's going to be okay. And we'll um, I'll update again later this week. We'll know a lot more by tomorrow probably and i'll update you guys for those of you who don't follow me at who don't follow my work at rebelgrove.com I'll, I'll get that information to you You can follow me on twitter I'll, I'll tweet that out too i don't typically tweet out a whole bunch of stuff on Ole miss things because i want them to come to my website because <laughs> i've got a living to make but on stuff like that um, i always tweet it out pretty quickly because that's scary stuff and for the people who believe in the power of prayer i like I like getting that out there because those were he was in a lot of people's prayers right away immediately yesterday. So uh, a weekend of football in the books, Chris. I've got the, about to put the scores up from the weekend. We can talk about these games. They were all pretty interesting, um, to say the least. Georgia beats Kentucky fourteen to three. Game that went exactly the way you said it would go. Auburn beats LSU 48-11, to a game that did not go the way that either one of us thought it was going to go. We'll talk about it a lot. Uh, Ole Miss beat Vanderbilt 54-21 to in a game that went exactly like you and me and I think most everyone else on the planet thought it would go. Texas A&M, impressive against an impressive Arkansas team. I, I was impressed with Arkansas Saturday night. Uh, 42 to 31, the Aggies win. You were right in week one. I was wrong. I'm still eating plates full of crow on what I said about the Aggies. They are a legitimately good team. Um, and they had to be on Saturday because Arkansas had a, had a solid plan offensively, and those kids played well, and, and A&M had to go earn it, and they did. And then the other one, Florida, 41 to 17, a 41-17 winner over Missouri. A play that a game that was sort of marred or highlighted by a brawl <laughs> before the half. A brawl that I felt like Dan Mullen instigated. And uh, Dan Mullen was fined $25,000, Chris, which is the exact same fine that the aforementioned Lane Kiffin got for hitting the retweet button on his Twitter machine. But this yeah. Is- this is not an Ole Miss thing here when I say this. This is ridiculous. If you're going to get fined $25,000 for hitting the retweet that showed a replay where officials missed a call that cost your team six or seven points, depending on whether the kicker makes the extra point with Ole Miss, that's not a given. 
but it cost your team six or seven points in the fourth quarter of a close game. You have to get fined more than $25,000 for egging on and possibly starting and certainly instigating a brawl between two teams on a field where numerous punches were thrown in the middle of a pandemic when your team is one that just got had to postpone a game because you had a breakout on your team. It was inexcusable, but the fine being only $25,000 to me is insane. Yeah, I think the uh, going out in the field is never a good thing. Although, as a coach, if you go out with the idea of trying to get your players away from uh, making it worse, um, they they often understand that and appreciate that from an official standpoint. Dan went out there, and as Dan has done before, to remind folks, he went after Derek Mason before um, uh, in, a, in a game a couple of years ago. He Dan can be a little, little hot-headed and um, was certainly someone that was – uh, not uh, not opposed to stoking the flames when he was uh, in the Ole Miss Mississippi State. I would say that if there was that that rivalry, Neil, as you well know, has always been uh, very underrated in terms of hate. But I, but I think probably in modern history, Dan has probably had more to do with kind of stoking the flames there. Uh, but Dan is an instigator. I think I think the way he did not comport himself with the type of control that you need to as a head coach. He didn't de-escalate the situation. He escalated it. And then I, the goofy, you know, come back halfway out of the tunnel and just <laughs> looks very childish. Yeah. Uh, I mean, exactly what was he trying to do? Get the cardboard folks, uh, you know, fired up? What, what I mean, was he fired up? I mean, there are not enough people there. Um, so, no, I, I've known Dan. Dan Dan is very good, very different. He's a little different. He's a little bit on the goofy side. I don't – I think it's goofy in the – you know, I, I think in the – look, if, if it doesn't happen and he shows up at the post-game press conference with the – what is that? The Darth Vader or the Darth Gator outfit? I mean, yeah. probably not the smartest thing to do. Okay, I get it. It's Halloween. You do something for your kids. That's okay. I don't know that I'd keep it on the whole time and do the interview. I mean, it's a little bit kind of goofy when Darth Vader's saying, you know, on third down, we really were thinking about. I mean, I think you come out and you have it and then you take it off and you. You, you you accomplish whatever it is you're trying to accomplish there. But little bit, uh, I would say, unnerving when Darth Vader is saying, uh, <laughs> but here's the thing I would, moving on from that, it really um, took away the whole emphasis of what I thought because I didn't know what to expect from Florida. They start off a little slow. They played well. Yeah. They dominated the game. They had 15 explosive plays in the game. Tony was in a year of great running back play. This might have been the best running back performance of the year by any back. It was unbelievable. And, and the defense played well against the Missouri offense that was playing 
good football. They got off their blocks well. They stopped the run well, less than three yards a carry. They did a very good job. Um, they didn't allow a lot of explosive plays. I think Missouri had four, five tops, and Florida was down some players in the secondary. So um, I thought the storyline was that Florida showed some improvement on defense, were very explosive on offense in a game where I, I, I know they were the better team. I just didn't know how they would play. So it took a lot of a lot of the storylines away from it. And now obviously that's people, all people are going to talk about. I, I recognize that I, you know, I, I'm kind of over it and, but I'm with you. You can't, I don't know what they're doing in the league office. The fine doesn't match. I mean, the fine doesn't. Yeah. I mean, 25 grand to, to tweeting. I don't know. Um, that, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. One is either too heavy or one is too light, and I'm not the one that's real good at saying that is worth 50 or 25. I just know that I don't think those those fines were made out a lot of sense to be equal because I do think as much as, um, you know, officiating and everything is wanting to be protected, um, boy, going out in the field and instigating and kind of putting it all together, um, you know, he's he's fortunate that there wasn't a suspension involved with this. Speaking of suspensions, Florida defensive lineman Zach Carter and linebacker Antoine Powell were ejected for the remainder of that game, so they're fine for, for Saturday's game against Georgia. Missouri outside linebacker Trey Williams was ejected uh, as well. He'll be fine for uh, Mizzou's next game. Uh, actually, I, I stand corrected. Carter and Powell will serve uh, suspensions for the first half of Florida's game against Georgia in Jacksonville on Saturday. I stand corrected. Mm-hmm. In yeah. addition, following a video review of the incident, the SEC office issued half-game suspensions for Missouri linebacker Chad Bailey, offensive lineman Dylan Spencer, and defensive lineman Markel Utzi for fighting action during the altercation. Each will miss the first half of Missouri's game versus Georgia on November the 14th, which follows Missouri's open date on Saturday. So uh, Missouri will be paying for this in a couple of weeks. It impacts Florida a little bit moving forward, going into their game against Georgia on Saturday. We'll talk about that game probably here in a little bit and then a lot on Friday because it's the game of the – it's the SEC East Championship. That's what it is. It's Mm -hmm. the Eastern Division Championship game, a a big game, obviously, for both teams. Uh, Before we do that, though, let's get into some of the other games. Let's, let's, uh, Let's knock out the easy ones first. Ole Miss dominates Vanderbilt 54 to 21. Matt Corral was terrific. Elijah Moore had a record setting kind of a game. Ole Miss's defense was okay, especially against the run. They gave up a good bit in the past, but they 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 prevented Vanderbilt from from keep staying in the game. Ole Miss's offense was stunningly efficient, especially in the first half. Just just destroyed Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's really bad, Chris. It's it's hard to it's hard to even put measures on just how bad Vanderbilt is on uh, on on every side of the ball. They're they're credit to Ole Miss for doing what Ole Miss needed to do, doing what they what they wanted to do offensively, and that was get the game out of out of hand quickly. But gosh, Vanderbilt's awful. 
Yeah, I think that's the only thing that they were able to do is they were able to, you know, not allow a lot of initial explosive plays deep, but they were just dominated, almost dominated as we thought they would. Uh, you're right. This Vanderbilt team is not just the worst team in the SEC. It's one of the worst teams I've seen all year long. Uh, it's just a really, really bad-looking team that um, just doesn't have any answers. And, um, you know, other than apathy and COVID, I, I just don't know that this is in the normal environment um, would be something that even Derek Mason would survive. But, again, uh, this is just this is a, this is the worst SEC team I've seen in quite some time. I mean, this is this is really a lot worse than Vanderbilt normally is, and we know Vanderbilt usually struggles. Yeah, I was trying to think about during that game what bad SEC teams compare to this one. And a few Look, come to mind. Arkansas a year ago, I covered an Ole Miss team in 2011 that was really bad. Um, I mean, they're contenders, but this team's right up there. It's it's. I, I mean, Arkansas had a. They went a long time without winning an SEC game, but they look better. Even in some they, this this Vanderbilt team just not real competitive. I, I know that it's a close game against AM week one. I get all that. It, it they didn't play well in, in that game. Texas AM didn't either. But no, this is just really, really bad. Really re- disturbingly bad. Georgia beats Kentucky 14 to 3. You were all over this game. You it literally played out. I thought about you routinely throughout it because it literally played out the way that you thought it would. So I came away with two takeaways, especially as we move forward with Georgia. Obviously, Kentucky went with Joey Gatewood. It didn't make a difference. They were not effective on offense at all against a very talented Georgia defense. But, Chris, you've talked about this. We've talked about this routinely week after week. I don't know, and we'll find out some on Saturday. I don't know that Georgia's got enough offense to beat the really good teams in this league, and they're going to play one on Saturday. They just haven't shown it, and you know they're going to have to play better somehow, some way. They're going to have to make some explosive plays, and we're going to get into it. I know maybe a little bit today, but but certainly um, on Friday, you you can play good defense and maybe limit an explosive offense like a Florida, but you're not going to shut it down. So you know, and you you're going to have to be able to make some plays in the passing game. They they played a um, a risk averse style. I mean, they did play, and I kind of that's what Kirby does. This is not a Kentucky team that was ever a threat. They didn't get. I mean, I don't think Kentucky had an explosive play in the game. I mean, they, they had. I think they had. I think they had a couple of runs that were ten plus. That's it. I mean, they had no ability to make plays in the passing game, and so there was never any threat for them to score. And that is. Some credit to Georgia's defense, but a lot of credit or discredit to Kentucky's offense and where they are. And you can play really good defense against Florida's offense and still give up 24 points. So it's going to be interesting um, to see this week. Uh, But I saw no real improvement, but I saw no real aggressiveness to try to do anything by Georgia's offense so we're going to see, you know, I'm, I'm sure I know that I would suspect that I don't know it. I would suspect that they're going to be a little bit more aggressive. Certainly if they get behind, they're going to have to, if they're going to beat Florida and they have certainly 
on the Gators recently. Yeah. They're going to have to get more done offensively. They're not going to have to score 35, but they're going to need to score in the mid to upper 20s, I, I would think. I don't see them winning a 17 to 13 game. I agree. I, I think they're going to have to be a lot more explosive offensively. I and mean, we'll talk about it a lot, like you said, probably in a little bit. And we'll talk about it a ton on Friday. But I've got real questions. Going into the season, I thought this was a game Georgia would win. I'm not so sure right now. Florida's a four-and-a-half-point underdog. My Tuesday thought, and I won't lock in till Thursday or Friday, but my Tuesday thought is give me Florida and the points. I, I, I think Florida's going to score some points, and I don't know that – Georgia's offense, I have a question. Actually, we have a question right now. We'll touch it real quick. We'll dive into it a lot. Burns4597 says, who has the advantage between the UF defense and the Georgia offense? And I do think that's where the game is decided. Yeah, well, and look, um, we've not seen Florida's defense play very well. I just mentioned it's their best performance against Missouri. And this Missouri offense has been playing pretty well, and we de they deserve a little credit. Um, I would say that that certainly what you're going to see is, you know, a, a Florida defense that is going to put an extra defender in the box and force Georgia to make plays in the pass game outside the numbers. Um, and I, I think that's really it's going to be that's going to be the key. I, I don't see Florida. They've got to play numbers in the box and prevent Georgia's running game from get going. Cause that's what Georgia wants to do. So the advantage is Georgia's run game. So in order for Florida to stop that, they're going to have to play numbers in the box so that it is not the advantage that it would be mano a mano uh, and just blocking seven. So I, I think when you do that, then obviously you reduce guys in coverage and, Georgia's going to have to take advantage of that. And I think what you're going you're to want to see that they're, what they're going to want to do is throw the football between the hashes, work the middle of the field, whereas Florida's going to want to defend as best they can middle of the field. But they're going to need a, you know, a whole lot of numbers to defend the run. So I think the run game advantage definitely, um, I, I would say, give it a little bit of advantage to Georgia's offense because of how it will force Florida's defense to play. But if Florida can build off of last week's performance and they can really do a good job against the run, then 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 that's where I think Florida's defensive advantage will will show up. Um Alabama destroys Mississippi State 41 to nothing. I forgot to put that in the picker. I'm fixing it now. That's okay. Mississippi State forgot to bring an offense. So. They forgot to show up. As again, well. again, by the way, the first time <laughs> Mike a Mike Leach head coach team has not scored a point. First time ever in 19 years of coaching, head coaching. All right. We, we, could, we could talk about Al. It's not fair to do this to Alabama. They're so good that it's not worth talking about, honestly. Uh, Trevor Lawrence didn't play, isn't going to play this week. If you're voting for the Heisman today, it's Mac Jones, right? Yeah, but it's just so early. I mean, I mean, like for example, you can't you can't say, and I, I know it's it's a 
it's a question, but you're you're talking like really early for Justin Fields. Yeah, uh, oh, I mean, you know, it's like it's a weird year. Yeah, no, I know it's it's a great question. Right now, it is, but I mean, it's it's like I can remember, I can remember doing the same thing. Oh, Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma. Remember an Oklahoma guy? It was you know the same thing. Three weeks in, oh, clearly the favorite. And he wasn't even in a. Jalen Hurts at Oklahoma now. You know? Yeah, I know. I know what I'm saying. It's, but, it's like, you know, but, but he was for like three weeks or four weeks, and then it's like, yeah, not even. So yeah, absolutely. What I'm, what I'm, yes. saying, what I'm saying, Chris. Let me, yes. Let me, let me clear. Yes. No, I know. I know what you're saying. Yes, he's graded out for me the best quarterback in college football. In fact, I put a note in that he was the number one guy. So what I'm he, saying better is, than Trevor Lawrence, by the way. Yeah, I know, and that's what I'm saying. So Lawrence is going to miss at least two games. And if Mac Jones does this five more times, five more games, and Alabama wins the SEC, Jalen, I mean, the kid at Ohio State whose name escapes me over and over, and I don't Justin know. Justin Fields. Thank you. You said Jalen Hurts, and I got. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm just going a, back. Justin Fields. It's he can win it, but he'll have to go take it. Is my point. Correct, and he will have the disadvantage of not as many games. This somebody doing it for ten games versus you know however many games, but we don't we don't know how many games anybody's going to play. No, look, I agree with you. I agree with you. Um, and I could make an argument for Najee Harris. No, I was about to say that's the thing that could hurt him. That was exactly where I was going. That's the one thing that could hurt him is his own teammate. They're, they're uh, legitimately their, their offense is legitimately elite. They lose Jalen Waddle, and don't get me wrong, they miss him. But they they can they can move on without him. In in in, in coaching, folks, it, the um, explosive plays are designed by pass plays of twenty yards or more and, and run run plays of ten yards or more. Alabama had eleven against a defense that's pretty talented, Mississippi State, and was just on the field a whole lot. It was, um, it, it it's just you know um, unbelievable right now how this offense is playing the offensive line of Alabama is grading so well the run game the power run of the inside zone uh, the stretch play they're just running it well um they can throw the football middle they can throw it outside you know the only thing negative that's happened to them on offense this year is Jalen Waddle gets hurt um They'll lose an explosive guy, but they'll have a lot of talent. They're just that good, and um, the defense is playing better. And and I know they are playing a Mississippi State offense that, outside of setting records against LSU, is like it's scored like forty four points against LSU, and they've scored like thirty combined the rest of the year. Uh, the defense is starting to play with more confidence. They're getting lined up better. They're tackling better. And, you know, a shutout is a shutout. And even against this team that's struggling offensively in Mississippi State, it's really, really, you know, a, a, a team that's that's looking very good. And, um, you know, it's all about let's see what Ohio State can be and what I think Clemson is. And with Trevor will even be better when he gets back. This is – this to me is is a, is as boring as it can get if you're trying to pick the playoffs. Because to me, it's a shocker 
if any one of those three is not there. And, uh, you know, in, in a year where you expected to have shockers, I think it's as chalky as it's ever been. We've said this about Mississippi State. I don't even know that it bears repeating this. This, It's just not working right now, period. I mean, they're, they're ineffective. So if you go back and look at their season since they beat LSU in the opener, they've just been completely ineffective. No, they haven't done anything. Quarterback situation's a mess. And I think there is no doubt that the negativity of talking about malcontents and all that, and, uh, you know, they say it's not that, you know, there's some of that. Because I don't think anybody in that locker room ever thought Kylan Hill was a malcontent. Oh, he spoke up for social justice issues, and that's not a malcontent in the locker room. He was kind of a leader. I don't think that there's, you know, a lot of lack. There's a there's a lack of faith, I think, in this coaching staff. And my concern is that I think it'll get better with Mike to a point. I mean, I don't think they'll be like, you know, they'll win one game for three years in a row. I mean, but it's it's going to be a problem. And the whole, the whole, well, they're going to go to a bowl game every year. That that's not a going to be a given now. And I think recruiting is going to is always a problem with Mike. I think he'll be able to recruit a quarterback that he likes uh, more than one. I think he'll be able to get some receivers. He'll throw it a whole bunch and put good numbers, but his defense will always be bad. He won't be able to help his defense with a running game. And I think the defensive talent is going to regress and be less than what it is now. They threw the ball 48 times, mainly because Alabama controlled the game and ran the football, 163 yards and two interceptions. It's about as bad. Let me me say that again, because those are numbers. Let this digest between the left ear and the right ear, folks. Threw it 48 times. For 163 yards. That is about as bad as you can get. That's really abysmal. So, um, you know, just uh, really, really bad shape. No, no question about it. And you look at it. What do they have left? You know, you've got Vanderbilt. That's okay. Finally, thank God for Vanderbilt. Uh, won't fare well against Auburn or Georgia or Ole Miss. I mean, we're looking at a two-win season that that does have a. If they win three games, you gotta you gotta explain to me where the third game comes from and how they did it. Agreed. Just you know, somebody's gonna have to have a really a lot of problems. This is this is gonna be a two-win season. Texas A&M, we talked about it early, beats Arkansas 42-31. to thought this was a fun game to watch. It was entertaining. Uh, Arkansas made them earn it, and Texas A&M did. It was an impressive performance by the Aggies. Yeah, I thought, you know, Arkansas got the late score. I thought it was a little bit more decisive. You know, I mean, I thought it was like a 40. It, it looked like a 42. It felt like a 42-24 game on film, and that's kind of what the score was. I thought Arkansas had a good game plan. I thought they came out well. Uh, They played typical Arkansas football. I thought that A&M would 
run the football, work the power game, and boy, they did. Let me tell you something now. We talk about it, and I, Alabama's offensive line is great. Um, Tennessee's offensive line got the hype. The offensive line that's not being talked about enough, this A&M offensive line has been outstanding. They run the football with power. The tight ends are outstanding, and the running game and the plays of the tight end are the reason why Kellen Mann is playing the best football he ever has. Jimbo's doing it again. People always say, he does a good job with quarterbacks. Yeah, because whether it's Christian Ponder and EJ Manuel, I mean, whoever in this case with Kellen, 21 for 26, 260 yards, three scores, no turnovers. Why? They run the football. They dominate the line of scrimmage. Good protection. Tight ends create mismatches. And then that gets the defense focused where you get in the inside where you can have one-on-one of the perimeter with big receivers. They've got it going on. Um you know, it'll be interesting to see. They're going to be favored the rest of the way. How much people will look at and how much you will look at the growth of the team. The win against Florida will only look better if Florida is able to finish strong. Um, the, the, the lost Alabama, the blowout lost Alabama, they have gotten a whole lot better. And it's a really good team. I thought this was a challenge um, schematically and from a physicality standpoint, but I certainly like them against South Carolina and Tennessee and Ole Miss and LSU. Maybe we'll get to the Auburn Tigers. That's kind of weird. Auburn's so weird. That's the only game to me that looks like a threat of them losing. So let's talk about Auburn. Auburn blows out LSU. Um. I picked Auburn to win by three. I think you thought LSU would win yep. this game. I thought they would outscore them. At um, one point, it was 48-3, to three, Auburn. And I just thought, I'll tell you exactly what I said. We were doing our live stream. Ole Miss was finishing up the Vanderbilt game. We live streamed for, I don't know, 11 hours on Saturday. <laughs> and I said, you know, at LSU, it's understood you're going to have losses. This is a tough league. You're going to lose a four-point game to Auburn, touchdown to Alabama. You know, Florida's going to get you sometimes. You're going to run into an Ole Miss team when it's good, and they're going to get you sometimes. You're going to lose games. No one no one expects total perfection. But 48-3 to at LSU, that's not acceptable. And when it happens, there are ramifications. Credit to uh, credit to Auburn. They really played well. Bo Nix played well. They had a good plan, all of those things. But the story of this game, in my opinion, was LSU's ineptitude on both sides of the ball. Yeah, the defense is not progressed at all. The secondary's been awful. Um, they can't set the edge in the run game still at this late stage of the season, and that's plenty enough. I mean, it, it's... This is a poorly coached defense. Yes, they've lost a lot of people, but it's bigger than that. And you're kind of alluding to it, and, and I'd get into it for a second. So, yes, LSU's lost personnel, folks, but LSU in their current state, talent-wise, is more talented than Arkansas, who stopped Mississippi State, and everybody stopped 
Mississippi State thus far. Uh, LSU's more talented than Missouri, who they got beaten by. LSU's more talented than Mississippi State, who they got beaten by. And they are at least as talented as Auburn. Auburn is replacing a lot of guys as well on defense. The difference in this game was a quarterback play. Bo Nix was outstanding with his legs. He was outstanding being able to carve up this LSU defense, which again, Bo's not played all that well. It's been very inconsistent. But the offensive line play of Auburn, which has struggled, was able to block very effectively. And Bo Nix was able to make plays and protect the football. Um, LSU, in addition to playing poorly, he turned the football over way too much. Finley was, you know, I, I thought, and this is, again, replacing a lot of people, but Kevin still had a good game plan, and he confused them. They they really mixed up their pressures. And, you know, um, look, I thought, I thought Finley did a good job against South Carolina, but, you know, you see the youth there and why they, at the very least, need to get Miles Brennan back. Because the, the, what killed them and what made this game a blowout was the mistakes, the turnovers. They don't turn the football over. It can be a competitive game. I think Auburn still wins it the way the game played out. But let's remind folks that this was a dysfunctional Auburn team coming into this game. How people react one week to the other is this is a team that, oh, the officials helped. I mean, they won. They didn't look impressive. They looked dysfunctional. And all of a sudden, they beat a team that, quite frankly, it was far more dysfunctional than they are. Um, so, yeah, that, that's how the game became a real blowout. It was um, – there's a lot there. I mean, you know, LSU, Finley, Finley struggled in his first road start in the league. But that, that defense, so it begs the question, does Bo Pelini finish the season? Well, there are a couple of things. Um, there's going to be a lot of pressure if, if this continues to go along similar lines and there's no improvement. I mean, I know you think, well, we've seen enough. They're going to get blown out by Alabama. Yeah. Arkansas is now, you know. Um, it's a toss-up. It, it, it's, you know, Arkansas has got a really good chance. And Arkansas beats them, and the defense still struggles. A&M beats them. Ole Miss beats them. There's going to be changes now. They gave a ton of money to Bo Pelini. They're going to have to eat that. Here's the thing on that, and I totally disagreed with Ed and Scott. I, I felt strongly about it. And, and let's remind folks that Ed didn't get rid of Dave Aranda. Dave Aranda went to Baylor. But Ed was not shy about saying, that the defense is going to be a lot better because he wanted a guy that was the same personality as him. And that where it was a mistake. Bo's his defense will work when he has a lot of talent, but he is not very good at being able to adjust. He's not great at putting fronts and coverages together, nor is he great at playing multiple coverages. Just not very good at it. But when you can attack and play press man and you got the talent to do it, he can be successful. And he's as just much of as headstrong as anybody else. Um, 
you know, when uh, you had a Dave Aranda there, you know, Dave was very cerebral. He's very smart. He can listen to Ed and just kind of know after Ed left, left the room, Dave just did what needed to get done and Ed wouldn't know the difference. Whereas now there's a little bit more head button heads. Look, a lot of people are young. This LSU team is talented. You're going to have youth issues. This is where, again, LSU is exposed from a coaching standpoint. There's still more to you, – you think they're any younger or any less talented again than a Missouri or an Arkansas with brand-new coaches? Of course not. What they are, they just don't have an eclectic way to play the game. And offensively, they're just not as good. No, they're not as talented. Of course not. But, you know, I go back to the year before when Joe Burrow's first year. They were good. But you bring in Joe Brady and all those receivers that were exploded and played well, look at how much better they got when Joe Brady was there. And look at how well this Carolina team is playing and how the young receivers are just developing over there. DJ Morris, for example, you're seeing a coaching deficiency that they're just not as good as they were last year and they weren't as talented. It is both. It is absolutely both. Your question, if it continues to get worse, money be damned, and they let some people go in the athletic department. A lot. This week. And they, you know, obviously they cut some, some, I don't know, five percent with Wade and you know Maneri and Ed. But if it's a disaster and it continues to be a disaster and it doesn't show improvement, they may have to eat that and go in a different direction and you know hope that Bo gets a job and some of that money's offset and they got a square one. It, it, what it does, it proves that it's hit or miss with Ed. Ed can't fix the defense. Ed can't fix the offense. Ed's a recruiter. Ed's a motivator. It's up to who he hires. So when he hires Matt Canada and it blows up in their face, it's one year and it's gone. If it continues to blow up in its face with Bo Pelini, it's one year, it's gone. And it's so it's not like at other places where a head coach can marginalize or fix things on the staff. Ed can't do that. Ed doesn't have enough football acumen to do that. And so that's, that's why it's a disaster. It's a, it's a hit or miss, and it's missing. Uh, it's missing bad, and, and the division's getting harder and harder and harder. Alabama's not going away. Uh, they're, they're, they remain one of the two or three most elite programs in college football. Texas A&M is, is fast on the rise, as you forecasted uh, a long time ago. Um, Arkansas is better. Ole Miss is better. Those are two programs that if you watch them week in and week out, you can see that they are getting better, period. And Auburn is Auburn. I mean, you know, even when Auburn fans are upset, Auburn's on their way to a 7-3 and three type of a season. So it, there's there's very little room for error at a place like LSU, no matter how – everybody goes, well, LSU's going to recruit elite, elite, elite. I, I get it. But, I mean, the product that's on the field this year is not an elite product. I know they have some athletes, but you do have to coach those guys, and they look they look like a disorganized lot. Yeah, well, you know, you lose to Mississippi State, and that loss looks worse and worse uh, week, as the weeks go by. You lose to Missouri, two games that no one thought they would lose to. Um, 
they got, they got I, I, on the Florida deal. They're going to lose that game later. Yeah, they'll lose it. And, and you know, and I, I thought they might have trouble against South Carolina. Won that, got blown out. So now they're in a they're in a bad way. Um, if they play better and are competitive against AM, beat Arkansas and Ole Miss, uh, I, you know, I, I, to answer your question on on the Bopolini situation, it's, it's going to be tough for him to survive, but let's see how it plays out and how much better they get. Cause I, I, I think it, uh, but, but I, I know this, that, that Ed will be willing to change. It's just whether he can make the right hire or not. And, and it's, again, it's hit or miss. They were very fortunate. Um, and let's give them credit. They hired Joe Brady and no one else did. And it worked great. It's not luck. Just, you know, it's, it's just not, it's not bad luck. It's, it was a good hire, but this is really bad. And this is, you, as you said it, the degree of how bad they are is something that's very, very difficult for them to, to take and follow. We will uh, preview, we'll take a quick, quick look at uh, week seven in the SEC in just a minute. First, let me tell you, this podcast is also brought to you by Jupiter Security Systems. Based in Madison, Mississippi, Jupiter Security Systems provides your business with a help desk allowing you to get software at a much cheaper price than you would pay going directly to Microsoft or the different cybersecurity systems. Here's what else they do. We, uh, like I told you, we stream 11 hours. I switched to a, uh, a, a different computer, a different network, uh, doing a lot of things to try to uh, keep my family of podcasts and my network, my YouTube channel, my website uh, operational to keep it modernized. And uh, Eric and the people at Jupiter Security Systems have been an absolute godsend for me. Their ability to access my computer, fix things for me that I'm not capable of fixing, show me how something is done, install things to help me. All of that stuff is invaluable. So if you need, uh, whether it's ADT, basically, for your computer systems and data, or whether you need help in uh, catching up with modernizing your computer systems, Really recommend getting in touch with Eric, 601-519-9583 or email info at jupitersecurity.net or visit jupitersecurity.net. We're also brought to you by Blue Sky. Blue Sky believes in being fast, fresh, and friendly. Throughout the thoughtful layout and cleanliness of their stores, Blue Sky hopes to provide customers with a fast and easy buying experience from servers to products. Uh, Blue Sky plans to keep things fresh and always provide the freshest flavors of their brand name products and the best services available. They even bring in some of the newest products on the market to their stores to provide an even better customer experience. A smile can say it all. Blue Sky wants to show their customers that they care about them and their shopping experience. They will always strive to improve their efforts to accomplish exactly that. So check out Blue Sky today at any one of their 48 store locations across the Southeast. All right. Uh, week seven in the SEC, Chris, it's uh, highlighted by the big one, Florida versus Georgia. That game, 330 Eastern, 230 Central on CBS. Uh, Vanderbilt is at Mississippi State at 3 p.m. You can see that game if you just hate yourself. It's on SEC Network. <laughs> you can watch it. Uh, Texas A&M is at South Carolina. That game, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central on ESPN, and then Tennessee is at Arkansas, 6.30 p.m. kick. They're in Fayetteville. That game can be seen on the SEC Network. So four games, 
Uh, one super attractive, Florida versus Georgia. One that only a mom could love, Vanderbilt at Mississippi State. And then a couple of interesting games. Texas A&M at South Carolina has some interest to it. And I think Tennessee at Arkansas will be an entertaining game Saturday night. Yeah, I think um, certainly it's a week-by-week situation with A&M. So they should go in and beat an inconsistent South Carolina team. But you don't know. And and dealing with it and uh, taking care of business is, is what you're looking for there. Uh, obviously, Florida-Georgia is the game. But I'm with you. I think Tennessee-Arkansas is big. It's really big. Um you know, I said it, uh, Arkansas hadn't, I, I like what they've done. They haven't beaten a good team yet this year. This would qualify as a team that they're capable of beating and, and probably still wouldn't be a good team. Um, but for Tennessee, Jeremy Pruitt, I said this two weeks ago, this is not a game you want to lose here. Things are not looking good. And we kind of, because they didn't play last week, we kind of gave them a week off of discussing the issues. You come off of a bye week to get things fixed and you lose to Arkansas, this would be really ugly. And we'll get into more. That's why I really like Tennessee to respond this week. They better. Uh, I think Arkansas is going to be pretty pretty ready for them. I think this is as a chance. I'm with you. I think this is a chance to have two really dialed-in teams going at each other. Yeah, and then, you know, I, I, I think, I'm sure there's some people that – kind of overreacted to Arkansas start and thinking, oh, man, they really can be good. How good are they? And Can they win? Nah, you know, this, that's kind of goofy stuff. That's not going to – Arkansas will, has already accomplished a lot. Now, again, if they don't finish strong, I'm sure their fan base is, again, overreacting. We'll, we'll, we'll come back to earth. But the reality is that there's some positives to bid on. But there is – it is a must – I think a, a must win for the quality of life of the coach here for Jeremy Pruitt, because this would be a really, really difficult loss for them if they're not able to to uh, get this one again with a bye week with time to prepare. Uh, if you don't take care of business, um, well, that could be really ugly. We'll talk about betting lines a lot on Friday. We'll get picks and stuff, just so you know where the blinds are as of this morning. It's Tuesday at about 10 o'clock. We're almost done. Georgia, a three-and-a-half-point favorite over Florida right now. That line started at somewhere between two-and-a-half and four-and-a-half, and and so it's it's held steady. It's three-and-a-half. The uh, Bulldogs favored over the Gators. I saw it a minute ago. The Vanderbilt-Mississippi State line is now at 19.5. Mississippi State, a 19.5-point favorite over Mississippi State. Texas A&M, a 10-point favorite uh, at South Carolina. That line has jumped a little bit over the course of the last day or so. And the Tennessee-Arkansas line is pretty much held steady. Tennessee, a a 1.5-point favorite across the board uh, at Arkansas, the big national game, of course, is Clemson and Notre Dame. Clemson, that line is uh, down to six and, and down to five and a half in some books. Uh, Clemson, a five and a half to six point favorite at Notre Dame. That'll be a game that we'll talk about on Friday as well because it has all sorts of championship implications, I think. Yeah, no, I think it absolutely could. There's no question about it. Uh, I'm really excited. I, th- there's some. 
uh, really intriguing games nationally. And uh, I'm, I'm curious to the Clemson-Notre Dame game. BYU-Boise State, very underrated. Hey, the Pac-12 gets started. Oh, yeah. boy, do they get started? They get started at 9 a.m. So when they get started, not, you know, not you know, it's nine a.m. West Coast time. Well, the virus but, doesn't doesn't get up that early. It doesn't, so it doesn't that's get up that playing. early. That's why they're playing early. So somebody asked me, you know, why are they starting at night on Twitter? And I'm like, TV. You know, it's like it's pretty simple. TV. Yep. So yeah, no, it's going to be an interesting week. Everybody's now in it. We're in a stretch run. Yet we learn a little bit more. I can't tell you how excited I am about Florida, Georgia. I just think this is just such a big game. Uh, Georgia's dominated Florida, and, and Florida feels it's their year. It's a contrast in styles. And obviously you mentioned it's going to be for the East and, you know, um, you know, certainly puts Georgia back in the race and, or, you know, and it puts Florida back in the race too, to some degree nationally. But the loser is going to lose a lot in this game. Oh, no doubt about it. And we'll talk about it a ton on Friday. We'll spend probably the lion's share of our show talking about Florida, Georgia, Notre Dame, Clemson. We'll dive into the matchups on the other SEC games, and we'll talk some NFL, as we always typically do on Friday. We'll do all of that with you. Thanks to everyone who's uh, joined us in the uh, in the stream, Fish Joe, Spartan Barton. And particularly Jig's dad. Thanks for the, the cheer 100, Deb. We appreciate that. Absolutely. Uh, so thanks, Rich Coat. Rich Coat's one. Uh, thanks to all of you for being with us, and we hope that you join us again on Friday for another episode of SEC Football and Beyond. For Chris Landry, I'm Neil McCready. Until then, take care. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.